Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. It's June 22, 2018. I've got a great panel really great panel and we've got some great stories. I'm going to let the panel introduce them. I'm going to let my friend John Locke introduce himself first. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name is John Locke. I do SEO for manufacturing firms. Um, Chris, um, would you like to introduce yourself? My name's Chris Badgett. I am a course creator. I also help make a course creation software called Lift LMS and I have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast. It was a great podcast. And we've got the great Morton. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor with LinkedIn Learning, which used to be lynda.com. And I have opinions. That's great. Because if you didn't, that would be a slight problem for the show. Uh, um, but before we delve into the stories of this week, folks, um, I just want to talk about one of our sponsors. And that's Kinster Hosting. Uh, Kinster Hosting big enough to have all the technology and a really quality solution, small enough to still care. That's what I say about them initially. And we host the WP Tonic Show website on Kinsta, and I've got some of my client sites on Kinsta, and it's just a fantastic experience and really optimized for e-commerce, membership, learning management system, websites and their support is superb staging site is really fantastically easy to use if you're a developer and you've got client sites you're i think you're going to be extremely happy moving to kinster if that sounds interesting you'll find links on the wp website that take you to kinster their affiliate links but you'll be helping the show if you use one of those and i suggest you go and have a look at kinster so let's go right into it. Let's start um, our first story, which is from Moulton in a way. And uh, what he's been doing, he announced it at uh, World, World, World Camp Europe. And that was WP Rig. Can you tell us some more about this? It's a tavern story, by the way, actually. That's where I originally got it. Can you tell us something about this, Moulton? Yes, I can. Um, <coughs> I've been... For the past six months, I've been working on this project, which uh, aimed to rethink how we build themes uh, in WordPress. Because we have all these great starter themes like underscores and uh, roots and everything else, but they are all very 19 or very like 2016, 2015-ish in that they are just the clean PHP files and CSS and JavaScript files, but they don't have any build processes in them. And they are designed around a a web platform that doesn't exist anymore. Um, And, you know, I've been teaching people how to build themes with underscores for years. And I've gotten a ton of feedback about what people like and what they dislike and everything. So I decided this is the right time to create something new. So WP Rig is a build build process and uh, and a starter theme built into one. And it's specifically designed to further accessibility performance, best practices, and coding standards. So by using WP Rig, uh, you get a starter theme that's completely rebuilt from scratch to focus on how the web platform works today that has all these new performance enhancements that we don't have in WordPress yet that need to be there, like async and deferred JavaScript and modular CSS loaded in the body element at component level and... um, uh, Lots of other like preloading of uh, files and tons of other best practices. In addition, the build process allows you to write just pure PHP and CSS and JavaScript, and then the build process will optimize your code for you, test it against WordPress coding standards and other coding standards, minify it, split it up, and make it ready for launch on the web. So essentially, I've taken all the heavy lifting of optimizing your theme and figuring out what are the latest coding practices and the latest best practices and built them into this kit that allows you to just do what you do best. So it has, you know, 
I could go on and on about all the features. The whole rundown takes like 15 minutes. I'm not going to do that here. But on, on um, j just the most important parts, you get Babel set, in, set up by default. So you'd write modern JavaScript, so ES2015 or ES Next, and it'll compile down into JavaScript that works in the browser today, which means you can now start writing proper JavaScript. You don't have to wait or figure out how to set this up. Babel is a bit of a pain to set up. That's, that's just there. It just works. Uh, your JavaScript is tested against ES Lint with WordPress coding standards. So when you are running, when you're writing your JavaScript in your editor, the editor will tell you if you're doing anything wrong and how to fix it. Uh, your CSS runs through a SAS process. If you use SAS, but you don't have to, it runs through a full CSS compilation process that uses post-CSS uh, various env, which used to be CSS Next. We updated that this week, which allows you to write modern CSS today, including using variables and all these other features that are coming to the platform but aren't there yet. Again, this gets compiled by post-CSS down into CSS that currently works. So you can teach yourself and actually use modern CSS today. And then when the web platform eventually catches up, you'll already know how to use it. Um, it has little nifty tools like uh, there's a string replace function that allows you to define a theme name and a slug. And then it'll go in and change all the features as you're building it out. Meaning if you give your theme a name and then later on you decide you want to change it, you don't have to do a search replace on every single file to replace all the, all the pre, um, prefixes on your functions. You just change the name in one file and it, and it propagates through the entire theme. And then it has browser sync built in and just a ton of things that you need when you build themes or that you usually don't know you need when you build themes unless you've been mucking around for a long time and things that take forever to set up. So it's all set up. The only configuration you need to do is you download the package, you set a theme name, you set whatever your local uh, development environment is, the URL to it, and then you just compile it. It spits out a theme and you work with it. And Rachel Cherry, Cherry helped you a bit with this as well, did yeah. she? Yeah, so uh, the project started um, as a collaboration with Google. And it sounds really confusing uh, because it's like, why would Google help build a WordPress theme kit? Well, it has to do with, um, it has to do with uh, a larger goal that Google has that I also have that we've developed independently of each other. You may have heard me talk a lot about how WordPress should be part of the web standards platform and push the web forward and we should use the power of WordPress to blah, blah, blah. And I asked Matt about it at conferences and stuff. This is my way of doing that is to say the way to get the web to move forward is to move WordPress forward because WordPress has 31% of the web. So by improving WordPress's code, we improve the web code. And the easiest way to improve WordPress code is to improve themes because you don't have, like improving WordPress core takes time. Writing better themes is something you can do right now. Um, so that, that's like, so Google said, this is something that we also want to do. So we're going to help you. So they helped me with, um, you know, code reviews. I got access to some of their performance experts to figure out like, what is the best way of doing these things? I've talked directly with Google fonts to figure out how to load fonts properly. Um, and they've contributed. Um, XWP, who works on the AMP plugin, They've also contributed into this project to set up the system where if a user decides to use the AMP plugin, you as a developer can control exactly what happens. So uh, you may have heard of the AMP plugin. It basically extends WordPress so that you can take advantage of the features that AMP provide, accel accelerated mobile pages from Google, um, which gives you all sorts of things like lazy loading images and concatenating CSS and inlining it at the top of the... Like, there's a bunch of performance enhancements that uh, AMP does. But it also does things like turn off all your external JavaScript. Um, and there are certain things that you do in a WordPress theme that just won't want to work in AMP. And what we've done in Reg is devise the method that you can easily test whether or not... It's a, it's a conditional that tests whether or not the AMP plugin is activated. And if it is, the developer can then write separate code to account for whatever features they want with or without it. Because in the end, as a theme developer, it's not your... You have no control over whether or not the end user activates a plugin, right? So just like there's some themes that test for the Jetpack plugin, this kit allows you to test for the AMP plugin. Um, so XWP has helped out with that and a bunch of other things. We've even written some, some um, core patches that 
hopefully will go into core that are around things like async defer and some other features. And then we built the core patches into WP Rig so that when eventually they get into core, WP Rig already has those features built in, but they're conditional on WordPress on core not having them, so they'll never break. Um, and then, yeah, so there's Google and XWPS work, have worked with me on it. Then I invited Rachel Cherry in because I needed kind of a balancing point, someone else who knows code really well, but doesn't come from the same perspective. So it's Rachel and I are now the maintainers of the project, but the project is not owned by anyone. So LinkedIn Learning has, uh, has um, donated my time to building this. We've also created a full course that we've released for free for everyone to learn how to use it. The course has been translated into German and is currently being translated to French and Spanish, which will also be free for everyone. Um, and they are continuing to donate my time to maintain um, WP Rig. But WP Rig is not owned by LinkedIn Learning. It is not owned by Google. It's not owned by anyone. It's a WordPress community project. And its only priorities are accessibility, performance, best practices, and coding standards. So there's no corporate agenda like or, you know, attempt at earning money from this like there are with other starter things. Yeah. What do you think, John? What do you think of what Walton's been up to? No, I think that's great. I know that Google had been looking at working more closely <clears throat> within the WordPress community for the same reasons that you stated to move the web forward and recognizing that WordPress is such a large chunk of it. So I think this, you know, has real potential. I know a lot of people now are using either underscores or um, the other one I'm thinking of. Um, there, there's, there's another one, yeah, uh, as, as a starter point. But I, I think that WP Rig has the potential to be a um, widespread uh, starter theme for a lot of people. So I think it's great. So what do you reckon, Chris? I'm just really impressed. It shows a lot of leadership there. You know, if you wanted the future a certain way, you know, Morton and this project's really leaning into that um, and just going out into the future uh, and rethinking, and, but also not doing it in a vacuum. He said he, it was based on feedback uh, that he was getting from people building themes and also taking into account the future of uh, blocks and everything that's coming and this, this whole uncertainty around the future of themes. So he's helping to create a path and partnering and giving back to the community to do that. So I just think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I, I should point out, this is, uh, this is open for a contribution. So if you go into the GitHub repo now, you'll see there's already a ton. Like the, There are other people who have already contributed stuff we're currently working on, whether or not we should enforce PHP 7 as a PHP uh, standard. Uh, in it, uh, <clears throat> Tony Mark has been quite heavily involved. Felix, Felix Arntz has been heavily involved in it. Um, and we are we're trying to work with the Gutenberg team to ensure that as Gutenberg evolves and new theme features come online, that they immediately get added into uh, WP Rig. So you don't need to go digging through this myriad of pull requests and tickets in the Gutenberg repo to figure out how to do things. Rig should give you the tools necessary. And there's a long-term plan, long-term as in, the plan is by the end of the year, we will uh, WP Rig will work in conjunction with the um, Service Workers plugin uh, feature plugin for WordPress to make it so that when you build a theme with WP Rig, the theme automatically gives the end user the ability to click a single button, and if they click that single button, they turn their site into a, a progressive web app. Well. So that's happening. <laughs> so we're like, we're going to use this to move WordPress forward very fast, like really fast. That's the general plan. Well, I, I think it's just fantastic. Thanks for explaining it. So that's the secret project. That, like I've been alluding to something that I've been working on, right? And everyone's been like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's what I've been working on. Yeah, well, well, you should be proud of yourself. On to the next story. Uh, oh, before I die, um, I've got a little. I've still got a bit of a cough, folks. I've been uh, got a man code for the past. Two, really, could not uh, tell. No, uh, um, st <laughs> um, state sales tax. Which state are most affected? Supreme Court online retail ruling, and this is basically, folks. Um, the Supreme Court came out saying that um, if you you're online retailer and you're taking 
you know, sales tax. You got to, you got to take it for all these states, and out of the, I think there's forty five states out of them all that take sales tax. What do you reckon about this one, John? Yeah. So um, Thursday, like you said, the Supreme Court they ruled that states can compel retailers to collect sales tax, even if they don't have a physical presence. Normally, what they call a nexus uh, in that state. And this reverses a 1992 decision that they made uh, because basically what happened is the state of South Dakota sued a online retailer called <coughs> Wayfair. Uh, and the reason is, is because e-commerce, um, if you don't have like a sales nexus, like a warehouse or like a office in that state, you didn't need to collect sales tax. And, Obviously, South Dakota was uh, not getting their cut of money, so that's why this case came to it. Uh, so Walmart and Amazon, they have sales nexuses in pretty much every state, so they wouldn't be affected, but other ones like Overstock or, or things like that might be affected. Now, the law says that you have to do over $100,000 in sales uh, for this to to affect you as a retailer. So if you're just selling stuff online like eBay, that's probably not going to affect you. But for anybody who's doing larger amounts of e-commerce and they're not as big as Amazon, this will definitely affect you because more states might, we're probably going to follow up and implement similar laws to what South Dakota is doing because they need that money. Um, as we know, it's, you know, all the money is supposed to trickle down, but the states need to, you know, get money from their budgets and sales tax is part of that. So that's Frank. That's a great summary of it. What do you reckon, Chris? What do you reckon about this one? I have some opinions and some reactions, um, which are not to be considered legal advice or accounting advice. <laughs> um, so I sell software around the world and, um, you know, my business is technically domiciled in California and Maine. I live in Maine. My business partner lives in California. We pay state taxes in those two states. Um, but <clears throat> the whole clarity around this issue, like this software is sold all around the world. And then I also create a software that allows other people to do the same all around the world. So it's a very important issue, but it's been kind of the wild west years of the internet in terms of you know, VAT tax, state tax, Fed tax, you know, people are forming businesses in Estonia for, you know, tax reasons. It's just kind of wild out there. And what I'm really looking for, this makes sense for overstock.com and retailers, you know, selling physical goods. But I still have questions around what about digital products? What about the education niche? Because sometimes there's some exceptions for that. And then how do we, where's the easy button? As soon as somebody starts talking to me about tax needs, I send them over to our WooCommerce integration because WooCommerce has put a lot of effort into that and there's all these tax jar and all these plugins and solutions out there. That, But I still, at the core, want to create an elegant solution that's easy to use, but I need more clarity around the issue, especially global distribution and digital products in the education niche. Yes, exactly. Uh and of course, yeah. Um, well, what do you reckon, Moulton? What do you reckon about this? So there's like writing on the writings on the wall type stories. I've been telling people that this would happen for the past five years. Like this is the most obvious thing. I can't believe it took so long. It's hilarious that it happens now under you know Mister Anti Tax Guy and everything, but. Of all the things in this e-commerce space that have been the most obvious to look out for, this is the thing. I mean, VATMOS happened in Europe is the exact same thing. So, okay, let's, let's rewind this. Number one, one of the reasons why a lot of these businesses like Overstock and everything else are so successful is because they shirk taxes. 
They place their business, their business locations in places where they don't pay sales tax, specifically to shirk taxes. That has a direct impact on all the communities they sell products to because they literally take money out of the community so that they can't build roads and bridges and pay for their police department and fire department and education and everything else. Taxes are an extremely important integral part of society. And anyone who thinks otherwise does not understand how taxes work, period. Any anti-tax policies are just idiotic self-centered, moronic bullshit. That said... I want to jump in, folks. I want to jump in, folks. No, 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 no,
Almighty. The, the emails. I'm going to give, give. Oh, Jesus. All right. Then let's go for our. Martin break. is a European socialist. You just, that's the answer you give to well, You don't have to answer the email I'm going to be getting. All right. There we go. Um, if you disagree, Martin, email him and comment on his Twitter. Don't send it to me. All right. Go um, right ahead. Right. Send it to Jonathan. No. Please. Uh, um, I've got a lot to deal with lately. Uh, we're going for a break, folks. We'll be back. We've got some other fantastic stories. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. Pay your taxes, folks. <laughs> and, and don't live in California. Uh, um, no, I, I, I take it all back. Uh, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, God. Right, let's get back to WordPress. It's much, it's much more safer territory, isn't it? Uh, Gersenberg team panel talk, release timelines, theme building, and customization at WCEU. I mean, you were there, Morton. Can you give? Can you start off with this? <laughs> Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, a bunch, I was at WordCamp Europe, Gutenberg, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was at WordCamp Europe and uh, things were said (laughs) that should be taken with a large pinch of salt, like a large scoop, you know, the ones you use to move cat poop, uh, that kind of scoop Mm. of salt. Uh, like August should be treated like. That. Oh, we're on fire! This show, and who's going to join us? This is great stuff. So, right? so the question on everyone's mind is: When is Gutenberg going to ship, and when is 5.0 going to ship? I mean, we were promised November last year, then we were promised August, uh, April this year, and all those dates have come and went. And the WordPress 5.0 timeline page still has TBA on all dates. Um, so the, Matt Mullenweg said, laid out a timeline plan of sorts where he said that all major, all major issues, no, uh, there will be no more new features added to Gutenberg after June this year, which is this month. What is it, 22nd now? So that's like a week and a bit. Then in July, and then in July, Gutenberg will ship to 100,000 websites, whatever that means. Um, and it'll, he mentioned that they were going to try to incorporate it into Calypso to ship it to a bunch of people on WordPress.com. And then WordPress 5.0 will ship in August or later. That's what he said. And just to remind the viewing audience, the WordPress release cycle is a merge proposal for new features, then merge goes in. Then you have alphas, a bunch of alphas. Then you have betas and a bunch of betas. Then you have release candidates, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then WordPress ships. Usually that process takes like three to four months. August is two months away. <laughs> so, so like under normal WordPress release cycle circumstances, that timeline is too short. This is a proposal for a timeline that includes Gutenberg, which is the biggest rewrite of any feature in WordPress since WordPress. So it's unrealistic and hard to understand why that date was thrown out at all. Because, and then he said something, and you have to go watch this back because it's really unclear. But he said something that made it sound like it's possible WordPress 5.0 will ship without Gutenberg, which is very, very confusing too. Or that it'll ship with some sort of not finished version of it. It's it's odd, um, but all of that said, there there is some good news in that there's going to be a new feature freeze because one of the big issues with Gutenberg is the endless scope creep. Um, so if that's true and they actually do stop adding new features, it'll mean they can start dealing with some of the current issues. Let's see. Let's open the Gutenberg 
repo and just take a quick look right now. So we are looking at 753 issues, 185 pull requests, and 13 projects. That looks like an immature project. And there's no way they're going to yeah, resolve I, all of that in a yeah. month. This is the main crux of it because I do wish it well, but it's, this, this has to be done right. This, this cannot be filled with bugs when it goes fully public. It just cannot, you know, if, if it means that it needs somebody in, that, in the higher ups of WordPress to say, no, um, this cannot happen. What do you reckon, Chris? I think the timeline is just going to continue to creep. I mean, maybe by the end <coughs> this year, maybe. I don't know. But I would prefer to wait for a bug-free situation. I, I did think in the article I saw some fears being addressed around, uh, for example, page builder compatibility. Somebody asked, what, what, what's the stance on page builders? And they're basically saying, hey, they're going to work together and the page builders will extend on top of blocks or whatever. Um, so it's, I guess I just have a general comment which is it seems less fearful, getting more practical. And this whole thing of release cycles always taking way longer than the company thinks. This is just like a, a blown up version of that happening mm. at scale. It's on like steroids, isn't it? Yeah. What do you reckon, John? Come on, John. What do you reckon? Sure, sure. Um, I think it's, it's, it's going to be like the REST API, but like more so in the fact that it is dragging out because it has to be right. Uh, it's probably not going to launch in August. It doesn't look like because we're almost at the end of June right now. So, you know, when it gets here, it'll get here when the time is right and when things are right or whenever they want to push it. So we'll be ready. I, I do think that it will um, probably bring in some new customers when when uh, it does get merged. Uh you know, so we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, I, I, I would like to add um, it, w what's being said here is true. Like the, it, it's very important that this is done right because we only get one chance at this. Yeah, um, this cannot and, be fucked. This cannot be. So used and, to and there is a there is a very strong feeling that there are a lot of people that are like, why isn't this being released right now? And there's a lot of pressure on the people that are leading the Gutenberg project to get it done. I think that pressure needs to be pulled off yeah. because it's really important that this is done right. And it's much better that we wait all the way to 2019 or way into 2019 if that means that this is done right than that we re release it prematurely because it will be harmful to the community. Um, on that note, there are a ton of accessibility issues in Gutenberg right now that are, that are hard to solve. And I am imploring everyone in the web community now to come in and help out because this, whatever accessibility solutions are built into Gutenberg will become the standard way of doing accessibility for React. And unless we get this right, we're actually not just harming the WordPress community, we're harming everyone who uses the web because people learn how to build things from WordPress core. So this is bigger than us and we need to take responsibility for that. I mean, Map keeps saying that Gutenberg is open source and is meant to be extended into other features. Well, that means we need to get this right. So the accessibility issue alone is something that we need to invest time and potentially money into to make sure we get right. Um, so there might be something coming on that front very soon, uh, the money part of that, because th we can't, we cannot do this unless we get it right the first time. And accessibility in this circumstance is absolutely paramount. Well, the, just to finish off, I think there's two di dynamics really working, well, parallel with one another and also um, working against one another. There, there's, the, there's, there's the obvious need for WordPress.com to up their game, which is a commercial business. Um, they've just been taken to the cleaners with Squarespace and Wix through functionality and ease of use. And it's, it's a bit of a bloodbath, really. And their VC um, backers are telling them they've got to do something about it, which is totally understandable. Um, and then you've got everything you've said, Bolton, about WordPress.org, um, open source web applications, and the two areas are kind of 
at one another, the priorities are a little bit conflicted, if you understand what I mean. You know, I've, I've always thought, it's, <coughs> pardon me, I always thought it'd be better to to get it up on WordPress.com and get it tested yeah. earlier on that controlled platform. Well, that's what they're going to do, right? They're going to put it onto WordPress.com. And the problem with that is we, the community, will have no insight into the outcome of that testing unless they choose to share it because that's corporate information, right? That's not a public platform. So we may or may not get access to it. And if we get access to it, we may or may not get access to all of it. I don't, I totally agree with you, but I don't, you know, it is what it is. You know, know, it just comes with the territory of how this linkage between WordPress.org and WordPress.org was organized in the first place. So that is just a reality of the situation, isn't it? Right, I think we go on to the next story because I'm blabbing. So, and the panel look a bit bored with my statements. I don't blame them. Um, four, four, ways. four ways to improve your site's content. Do you want to start off with this one, John? Yeah. So, and I have an upcoming post that's tangentially related to this topic as well. But I, it, as everybody sitting here can attest, um, content is what builds your brand. It really, really is. And where a lot of websites fail is they might pay attention to the design, but the content is often the last thing that's put in there. It's kind of an afterthought in a lot of cases. Um, content is really what people are coming to your website for. Uh, without great content, you're not going to be able to drive inbound traffic. UX is important. Having a nice looking site that loads fast and all those things are very, very important. But if you don't have you know, well thought out content that speaks to your customers and you know, addresses their needs, you're going to find it really difficult to draw people into your website. So... So what do you reckon, Chris? I just did a uh, webinar with a copywriting legend um, named Nick Usborne. And I think copywriting is the meta skill, but even above like how you say it, it's what you say. It's the content. It's the ultimate thing. Like a podcast, even the show. It's the content that people are going to choose to watch or not watch or decide to keep coming back. Um, one of the other points was about having a, a winning formula. I have a super simple formula I use every single time I write any kind of email or blog posts, which is, and I heard this from a copywriter a long time ago, which is, uh, here's what I got. Here's what it'll do for you. Here's what I'd like you to do next. So it's like a three-part structure. So when I write a blog post, I, sometimes I just start on a text document. I write like what it is, you know, what it'll do for you. And then I have some kind of call to action. Here's what I'd like you to do next at the end. That's my formula. It makes blogging, it makes writing marketing emails and things like that super easy. And when you're on the receiving end of that, if you get the what with, without why is this important or what should I do now that I have this information, it feels incomplete. But that simple framework has really served me well. So I just wanted to share that with those of you listening out there. And the thing about editing as, is as important as the writing. I have a kind of a complex marketing funnel. I've burned it down three times and re-edited it, made it simpler and clearer, tried to use less words. Um, I just want to highlight that point. Editing is, is as important as writing, especially on your website. If you have like the five main pages, like the homepage, the about page, you know, whatever those key uh, you know, content pages are is your site. Revisit them. Look at if you don't know where to start. Look at your Google Analytics. See where people are spending time. Like edit those pages. Give them a second look over. Get a second set of eyes on there. Yeah. What do you reckon, Moulton? I'd see for the people that are watching, or listening that don't know what we're talking about. The list that's provided in this article for ways to improve your site's content is number one: plan ahead. Number two: editing is as important as writing. Number three, ensure great landing pages with a winning formula. And number four, regularly generate ideas for blogs. That makes sense. 
like that that that's the job. <laughs> yes, I don't I don't know what to say about this. This is like yes, another article full of obvious things that people, if they're not using, are doing something wrong. Um, yeah, but the obvious, say, the obvious doesn't seem no, to be working for a lot of people, does it? I'm not criticizing the article. I'm saying that this is this is a symptom of our industry that we have to say these things because these are things are blatantly important. Uh, the um, I had a dinner with a friend of mine while I was in uh, in um, Belgrade, who is a professional writer, and we had a long conversation about how do you write proper content? So she gets hired by companies to write on their behalf. So that means some of the times when you read copy or you read blog posts or articles even in newspapers, ostensibly written by a company, they're actually written by a ghostwriter. And that that's her job. So she will go, you know, some company like a people who make dental implants will contact her and be like, we need to get a better profile. And then she'll go and do like a two months worth of research on the industry to figure out what are the things that matter to them and then how can we write something that you know is applicable to the majority of people that also connects them to this product and then should write ex- ex- excellent content. It's all about quality research and understanding your material and understanding your audience and then shaping the content to fit that. My, the point of this is I think writing as well as photography, are two underrated qualities in online publishing. And a lot of companies would benefit from hiring professional writers and professional photographers to do the job for them because then they wouldn't have to sit there and figure out what to write, then write crappy copy or frustrate themselves by trying to write good copy and then waste a ton of time they would otherwise have been using doing their actual jobs, what they like to do. So there are a lot of people out there who do great content writing should look them up and see if you can pay them to do the job instead of having to do it yourself. And stock yeah. photography is not the be-all, end-all of getting good images. <laughs> stock, stock photography is the bottom and uh, like, it's the worst thing you can do because someone else is going to use that same photo for something you did not agree with. Yeah, we kind of touched this last week's um, roundtable when I when I said I looked back for the twelve years I've been really actively involved in online business. The, you know the amount of conversations I had with um, local or clients that I was kind of introduced to, recommended to. I just looked back at all those conversations and did one of those clients say to me initially. You know, we really understand our 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 business model, and we really understand our know who our customers are, and we're going to provide some real value for them online. And you know, we can never had a conversation. I always had to bring up those type of issues up, and I, I think it's a bigger. And I'm just as guilty of it. Um, you really you just as guilty. It's quite strange why, but um, I, I have to think about what some of those reasons were. Um, you really got to understand who your customers are, their needs, their wants, the, you know, especially their wants and worries. And you've got to provide solutions that they can afford. Um, and it's that, value price metric isn't it yeah, we're always making judgments every day every week every month every year about what's really important to us and what we're prepared to pay to get some kind of solution but i just looked back and i hardly had any of those discussions and i think if you don't have some of those discussions i think a website project is almost doomed from the start really I, I don't know. I, that's why I think there's a lot there's a lot of dissatisfaction about end results and we've touched that over the months as well. Right. It's it's difficult because if you if you have a client, right, they come to you and they say, Hey, we want to build a website and then you tell them how much it is and they go, but I'm not willing to pay that much money. And then you come to them and say, Oh, by the way, if you want to blog on this website, you need to have a copywriter write all that stuff because you're you're not gonna be able to do it, which sounds like more money. Right, And there's this value proposition problem again, right? That we need to communicate this better to our clients. That running these kinds of marketing campaigns costs money. 
and doing it yourself is not going to help you in the way you think. You're going to save some money up front, but that means you're also not going to earn any money off the platform you're investing in. So, I mean, uh, Bridget Willard is a great example of this. You know, if you go and look at Bridget's Twitter followers, they, she has an extraordinary number of followers. I think her, her handle is like, you too can be guru or you too can be a guru. Um, and Bridget does this for a living. And she will, she will, like, you can pay her to go in and look at how you're using Twitter and she'll help you figure out how to use Twitter better so that you get more followers and, and that they're not just, you know, pointless followers. But to, she, she'll help you figure out how to provide content that has value to your followers so that you can actually build a better brand. This is the kind of service that businesses need to, to move forward. And there are lots of people who provide these services, but you need to make sure that the people you build websites for understand that this is a long-term commitment that's going to cost as much money to run as any other thing you do, right? Even though it's on the web and even though everyone can write content, not everyone can write good content that actually works. No. All right, on to the next story. <clears throat> um, I'll probably wrap it up with this one. Uh, WordPress security as a pros process. Want to start off with this one, Chris? Um, let, me, let me come back to me on all right. that. All right. John, do you want to start off with this one? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of, you know, WordPress security is still one of those things that's like completely uh, neglected by a lot of people who have WordPress sites, maybe because they don't have, you know, a seasoned developer, or the right guidance. WordPress is not insecure. Um, it's it's not that it's just that it is 31% of the web so running an automated botnet to try and hack wordpress sites is going to have a lot more returns than uh, you know running a botnet trying to hack joomla or drupal sites um so a lot of people and and a lot of people ask this why would anybody want to hack my site it's just like a little you know small business site or a cat blog it's not that people are targeting you specifically. It's these bots go out and they just crawl and scout. And it's like kind of like the scout ant. They go out and they look for food. And if they, if they see like, hey, th there's all these WordPress sites, then they bring the whole colony. And that's the same thing with these botnets. What a lot of these small business owners maybe don't understand is the attacks are automated. They're just trying to go down a list of known plugins or themes that are compromised. They're looking for those, you know, file paths and try and, you know, exploit known exploits and hack your site. There's many different things that they could do with it. They could, you know, spam different people. They could run Bitcoin miners on your site. Uh, that's a popular one. Um, there's a million different ways that these hackers can use your site. It's not that they're just going for the top 100 sites in the world. Any site to them just becomes part of their greater scheme, uh, even if you're just a little cat blog on shared hosting. So It's just a commodity, isn't it? Yeah. Just a commodity to use for the sinister purposes which they have planned. What do you reckon, Walter? Uh, you know, secure, security, the people who wrote this article for Smashing Magazine are probably some of the best people in the industry on security. And generally speaking, when they speak, you should listen. Uh, this is, uh, if you ever sit down with anyone from security and you talk to them about what they see on the internet, you'll very quickly get a different perspective on how dangerous it is to have a website these days, unless it's like a <coughs> static HTML thing with no input fields at all. Um, so making sure that you invest in security early on is a good idea. Uh, the, the best, I mean, the best advice I can give is to hire a company like Security or someone similar to just run the monitor on your site so when something happens, they catch it and fix it before it turns into something worse. Um, there is, there are a lot of security, secure security practices that are best practice. We're starting to build them into WordPress core so that, you know, things are done a certain way, but in the end you are beholden to the theme and author, uh, the theme and um, plugin developers 
of whatever tools you use. And you have to trust that they do things properly. So a lot of what's covered in this article are things like escaping user data properly and making sure that forms uh, sanitize the content before it goes into the database. You don't execute scripts on the database and stuff like that, which is technically something that all theme and plugin authors should do. Doesn't mean they actually do it. And it's very hard for an end user to check the code. Like go to the regular WordPress user and say, oh, by the way, before you install this plugin, make sure you read the code to to check that everything is sanitized properly. That's not going to happen, right? So, uh, and your hosting provider will try to keep your site secure, but they can only go so far. And you have the risk of, if you're on a shared host and a site gets hacked, the hack can jump into other sites as well. So there's a lot of complex issues around this which is why services uh, exist that you can pay for that will monitor this kind of content. I think that the, the number one takeaway here is what Jonathan said, or no, John said early on, WordPress itself is one of the most secure solutions you can use. However, WordPress is like Windows in that the reason why people hack Windows all the time is because Windows has the biggest market share, right? The reason why people don't hack Apple computers is honestly because it's too easy. There's no challenge in it, but also because they don't have the same impact. So you're, someone on the web is trying to weaponize your WordPress site right now. And whatever you can do to prevent that from happening, you should do. And that includes investing some money in security monitoring just to make sure nothing happens. Yeah, I just want to drive a quick comment on security is one of those like non-sexy things. So my, my story with it, 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 what made me first become a security customer was I had my, uh, I had an online course site. This is about seven years ago. Uh, and I started getting reports that when people went to my website, that they were being redirected to a porn app. And I, uh, but I it had been going on. I didn't, I didn't believe them, didn't believe them, but it was like, it was designed so that if, the WP admin, or if you weren't on mobile, it didn't happen or whatever. So I'm actually the number one search result for Bedoink redirect virus, if you, if you want to type that. But I learned that, and then what happened, I hired security, they fixed it right away, and then I wrote a blog post about it to try to help other people who ended up with the same kind of problem I had. But it's not sexy, and I've seen it happen with clients over the years and all kinds of stuff. Nobody deals with it until it's a problem. But if you can... Uh, just take my word on it. And it's my opinion, like put something in place before you have a problem. That's my advice. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so well put because we do a lot of work with clients around this. I've had clients, first of all, a lot of shared hosting providers will only keep 30 days of backups. I've had clients that they've been dealing with hacked sites. I had one to come to mind about five months ago. And he, he, he spent a lot of money with us and we managed to sort out all his problems. He still wouldn't hire us on a weekly, on a monthly basis though. Most strange, but it is what it is. And he sites to say they had been truly buggered up would be under. He got to the stage where the hosting provider never wanted to take his calls anymore you know um, they avoided dealing with him because these insane mess messes that people get into um, it's my it's a quite eye opener but first of all do not rely on your hosting provider because like I say most of them not all of them it depends what plan you're on but most of them only keep 30 days of backups. And um, a lot of what Chris has said, you will not know that your site's been hacked. So most of those backups have been corrupted. And when it comes to WP Tonic, we are anal about backups. I use a a three-tier backup um, system. Um, That's just from us. You know, uh, um, the second thing is um, you've got to keep your plug. It is hosting also. You, you know, really cheap hosting has a, a bigger price. And also keeping your plugins. But the other factors is is there's, there's, it's layered. You know, as, as you go higher up this um, security hierarchy, the more accessibility reduces ease of logging in as a, uh, to edit your website. It can become, but 
you've got to choose the right level that you're com- that the client is comfortable with. And you've got to really explain that's like two, you know, the consequences of different security setups. But um, it, is, it is like the like what we discussed earlier. It's like the Wild West, all this. The, you know, it really is, you know. I want to throw something in there really quick too, Jonathan. You don't want people to like be Googling your site and then see the little statement underneath your Google result where it says this account, this site might be hacked Yeah, because people are not going to click. (laughs) Yeah. This, I mean, having a hacked site, it can really, from a practical standpoint, if you don't give a care about anything else, having a hacked site can devastate your SEO and just your trust factor of people saying, I'm not going to click on that result because Google's saying it might be hacked. So, yeah, and, and you have to realize there are levels to this. I mean, you can have everything from if someone puts enough crap in your comments, if you get a sufficient level of garbage in your comments, Google will tag you as a spam site. And it'll come up that big red page when you go to the site and it'll say, this site is not secure. And that might not even, that's not really hacked. That's just, you didn't have enough moderation on your comments. So you got comments with a ton of links that were nefarious. Um, it goes all the way from that to, I had a site that got hacked where someone had gone into the server f- through another site and then gone and managed to string replace a bunch of standard GIFs. So what they'd done was go in and replace the WordPress logo that sits in WordPress admin with another GIF that has the exact same code, except at the end of it, there's, there's um, some encrypted code that, that executes a script because GIFs, as you know, are animated. So they actually run in the browser and you can hide code inside them. And um, I was like, you know, I, I know the drill here is like, you don't try to fix a hacked site. You do go and you just enable security on the site and then walk away and then they will fix it and it took them two days to figure it out yikes and when and it was so buried and the thing is it was like once once they fixed it it just went and it was back immediately and they're like what the hell is going on and there was nothing they like literally took the site offline the entire site just removed it and then they saw the file popped in again and it was like okay so this is not happening on the site this is somewhere else it's just shoving this file in everywhere and there was a script somewhere else on that server that was just, just propagating that file across. If it's not in every folder, then put it into the folder again. So there's some of these things are really, really deep, uh, are hidden deeply. And when you see people ask, you know, who do I hire to fix this? Find a company that only does this. Ideally, a company that doesn't just focus on WordPress, but focus on web security in general and hire them to do it. Don't find random people to do it because they'll spend a ton of time and money doing something that someone else is only doing that thing for a living. Sucre is a good choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am not paid. I am not, I don't have any affiliation with them. I don't have any, you know, um, affiliate marketing or anything. I'm just telling you, they are, they are some of the best people. They're not the only one, but they're the ones I turn to when I run into trouble or see someone run into trouble because they, they've done amazing work and I've seen them. I've seen how they work. That's yeah, don't try, don't try and figure it out yourself. What must have done? Yeah, I know. Uh, Rob, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, panel. Oh, it's been an excellent discussion. Um, Chris, how can people learn more about what you're up to, Chris? You can find me at lifterlms.com. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast. And I do have an uh, interview on there with Dre Armada from, I think they actually say it, Sukuri. <laughs> um, Sukuri! <laughs> Uh, that's the, uh, if you want to go, <laughs> if you want more information about security, check that out. Also, there's another episode with Akshat Chaudhry from Blog Vault, where we get into a lot of security issues as well. So, yeah, thanks. Great stuff, John. How can people learn more about what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is Lockdown SEO, or pop on over to my YouTube channel. Just type in uh, Lockdown Design or Lockdown SEO. It should come up. So that's great. And Moulton, how can people find out? more about what you're up to my my friend you can go read my lists of bad fan names on twitter uh but i really want you to go check out wp rig and build your sites using wp rig you can find wp rig at wprig.io and on github and everywhere else use it break it contribute back to it help use wordpress to move the web forward 
It does really sound like a truly exciting project. It, it really does. You should uh, try it. Uh, I will do, but get any time. Uh, um, but there we go. Uh, um, and if you want to find more about WP Tonic, folks, go to the WP Tonic website. We've got some great articles about learning management systems, membership, um, about how to get people. We've got some new articles coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've been typing away. And um, just got some general great stuff. And if you really want to support the um, the Wednesday show and our Friday roundtable shows, give us a review on iTunes. I know I say it almost every episode, but it does really help the show. And we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.